Well, as I just talked to the kids, um, that's what the, the, the scripture passage is that we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, it's the story of Simeon and Anna in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And we're going to be reading verses 21 through 40 and then looking at some of the stuff that's there. So, Chapter 2 of Luke. And again, I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible just because I really like the way it sounds for what we're looking at today. So chapter 21, I mean, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 21. At the end of eight days, when the baby was to be circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time for their purification, the mother's purification and the baby's dedication came, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be set apart and dedicated and called holy to the Lord. And they came also to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, cautiously and carefully observing the divine law and looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been divinely revealed, communicated to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure area. And when the parents brought the little child Jesus to do for him what, the, what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God and said, And now, Lord, you are releasing your servant to depart, to leave the world in peace, according to your word. For with my own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you have ordained and prepared before in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to disclose what was before unknown, and to bring praise and glory and honor to your people Israel. And his legal father and his mother were marveling at what had been said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is appointed and destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will will pierce through your own soul also, that the secret thoughts and purposes of many hearts may be brought out and disclosed. And there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old, having lived with her husband seven years from her maidenhood, and as a widow for eighty-four years. She did not go out from the temple enclosure, but was worshiping God night and day with fasting and prayer. And she too came up at the same hour, and she returned thanks to God and talked of Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption, the deliverance of Jerusalem. And when they had done everything according to the law of the Lord, they went back into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace favor and spiritual blessing of God was upon him. This is just a short little story in the scriptures. But there's so much in it. And I wanted to just take a little bit of time to look at it. I don't know how much of you how much of this story you guys have ever done in study in Bible studies, but um, <clears throat> a couple of the things that came out just for clarification so we understand what was going on. It says that the baby was circumcised 
on the eighth day. So they brought, so, so usually that's done in the home, wherever they were staying. It could be that they brought him to the, to the temple, but that's not normal. Normally, the, the, the rabbi, the leader, whoever's going to do it, there is a term for this person, I don't remember his name, um, would come to the home and there would be a celebration. It's actually a very big party that's done. But this is a very poor family, and we have indication that they're poor, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. They were poor, so it wasn't probably a very big celebration, but there was indeed this ceremony, because it's a very important thing, and one of the things that has to happen at the time of the circumcision is the father of the child names the child. And so, if we go back to what we looked at last week with Matthew chapter 1, it was very important that Joseph... The stepfather, the, 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 I guess stepfather of, of Jesus, legal, I mean, legally named Jesus, Jesus. He could have named him anything he wanted, but he followed the instruction that he received from the angel Gabriel in that dream. And Mary had also been given that same instruction that the child's name was to be Jesus. He saves, or God saves, is what it means. Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. And then after the eighth day and the naming of the child, then it says the time for their purification happens. The mothers and the babies. And what this is referring back to, the moms, if you turn to Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 to 4, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, if a woman conceives and bears a male child, she will be unclean for seven days. Unclean, just as during her monthly cycle. And on the eighth day, the child shall be circumcised. So, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, I just know this is the law. It says that there's a seven-day period where there's uncleanness, but then on the eighth day, the child is to be circumcised. So we see, well, well and then, then it goes on chapter 12 verse 4 it says then we she shall remain separated 33 days to be purified from her loss of blood she shall touch no hallowed thing nor come into the court of the sanctuary until the days of her purity purifying are over and then it goes on and says when the days of her purifying are complete verse 6 whether for a son or a daughter she shall bring a lamb a year old for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering to the door of the tent of the meeting of the priest And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who has born a male or female child. And here's the interesting thing it says in verse 8. If she is unable to bring a lamb for lack of means, then she shall bring two turtle doves or young pigeons, one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Now let's go back to verse chapter 2 of Luke and see what, what we see here. It says after seven days the child is to be circumcised on the eighth day because during that first period of time the mother is not allowed to be involved with anything holy because of a time of purification that needs to take place. And then after the child's naming and the, the circumcision then there's still a time that has to pass, 33 days according to the law. And when that law, when that time was done and, and it was uh, appropriate, then they brought the child to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23 says, as it is written in the law of the Lord, 
Um, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be set apart and dedicated and called holy to the Lord. And then they also offer a sacrifice to what is said in the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so because we see this in verse 24, this pair of turtle doves being offered, we know that they are poor. Joseph and Mary don't have enough money to be able to buy a lamb. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the lambs were raised right there in Bethlehem. And, um, and they, don't, they didn't have enough money to be able to do that, but they were able to, have, but they, so they ended up using the, the, the poor person's offering of two turtle doves. And the, the other thing is, is that it said that they, uh, she has to come to the, to the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now, I wish I had on a screen, but this screen was going to be way too small to try and show us this. But we've, we've, we've seen graphs and charts of the temple before. So I want you to imagine in your mind, I'm going to take you from the Holy of Holies and take you outward so that you understand what we're looking at. And the whole of the Temple Mount, okay, is where the temple is located. This is the time of Herod. So this, so picture in your mind images that you've seen or maps or charts that you've seen of the temple. There's the Holy of Holies. Then there's the, the, the veil. Then there's the holy place where there's the altar and the, the candelabra. And then from there, you come outside of that. And then there's these round steps on the top, at the, at the um, entrance to the temple where the two pillars on either side of the temple door are. And then there's what's called the court of men. And this is where the actual altar is. This is where the big laver is, the big brass laver that they actually climb into and do their ceremonial washings, the priests do. And this is where the fire is maintained. This is where the actual sacrificing takes place. This is the court of men. Then there's a further step out and there's a, a doorway and there's then what's called the court of women. This is Jewish women who are clean and pure and able to be present in the holy place this is as close as they can get to the, the Holy of Holies, is this court of women. And then beyond that, there's this perimeter around this whole complex of rooms. And it's got a little fence that stands about three feet tall. And that is that demarcates what's called the court of Gentiles. And then outside of that barrier is a place where anybody can go on the Temple Mount. So if you're wanting to approach God... Only those who are believers can come into the court of Gentiles. But if you're a believing Gentile, you cannot come into the court of women or the court of men. If you're a believer and a Jew, then you can come into the court of women, whether you're male or female. But if you're a female, you have to stop there, and then the men can go in where the actual offerings are taking, or sacrifices are taking place and where the offerings are. So when it says that they came to offer the sacrifice according to what the law of the Lord said, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons, you have to imagine what's happened is they've come into the Temple Mount, they've walked across the Temple Mount, they've now entered into the court of Gentiles, into that, past that barricade, they then come into the area of the court of women, and they come to some place where there's a priest, and they bring their offering, the two turtle doves, the priest then will go into the actual court of men where the altar is and will do the actual sacrifice while Mary and Joseph and Jesus are standing in the court of women watching. Joseph could have gone in if he wanted to, bringing Jesus, but it's probable that he just stood at the doorway, if you will, 
with Mary while this was taking place. And so they were standing in this doorway watching as these sacrifices were taking place on their behalf. And so then, while they're standing there, while this sacrifice is taking place, all of a sudden, this old man walks up to Mary and Joseph and grabs the baby out of Mary's arms and begins talking crazy talk. Oh God, you finally gave your promise to me and now I can die. Imagine yourself standing there in this holy place You're fulfilling the obligations of a good Jewish family, even though you're poor. You're doing what you know you're supposed to do. It's a, oh God, please bless, please forgive, please purify. And this crazy old man comes up and grabs your kid out of your arm. What do you do? I don't know. We're not told in the scriptures what happened. But I know if I was the father, I'd be like, who do you think you are? But again, this is the temple. You have to have a little bit of decorum. But this man it says, was a devout and righteous man. And it says in verse 25, the Holy Spirit of God was upon him. And it says that this man was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon was. I have never really looked at, thought about that before until when I was preparing for this sermon. And so I looked up the word, the Greek word that mean, that's been translated consolation of Israel. And it is the same word that Jesus uses when he says, God the Father will send another comforter after I leave. It's parakletos. Now, I don't have enough background in Greek, nor do I have enough information available to me that I could make any kind of correlation or corresponding thoughts about this. But think about this. If this term parakletos means comforter, and it is a godly gift, and it is of God's spirit, then if Simeon is looking for the comfort of of Israel, the consolation of Israel, it's something that God is giving to them. They understood this consolation, this parakletos, to be the Messiah. Okay, And so when Simeon is looking for the consolation, the parakletos of Israel, he's not looking for the Pentecost experience Okay, that's going to take place 30 some years later, the giving of the Holy Spirit of God. He's looking for the anointed ones coming into the world, the Messiah coming forward. But it's the same word. Parakletos for the the consolation of Israel and the paraclete for the comforter that Jesus said God the Father will send. But there's this man, this old guy, who spends his days in the temple courts walking around praising God, looking devoutly for, I mean, determinedly for the consolation of Israel. And it says he's a righteous and devout man, which means he follows the letter of the law. He's always in a worshipful attitude. It doesn't say that he lives on the temple mount. That's Anna. But it does say that he's regularly there. And it says that it has been divinely revealed, 26, divinely revealed or communicated to him by God's Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. How did he know that this was the baby? He did. 
But weren't there, this was a normal practice. I mean, how many years had he been in the temple when a couple comes to that door with their two turtle doves carrying their baby that's 30 or 40 days old, or 41 days old? I mean, this must have been something he saw regularly, right? I mean, you would think that if the law says, when your baby is born, after the seventh day, on the eighth day you circumcise, and then after 33 more days, you bring the child to be presented before the Lord, because the time of purification is over with, and at the same time you bring an offering to be, to be sacrificed as a sin offering and as a purification offering on behalf of the mother, this should be a regularly common thing happening in the court of women that Simeon would be witness to. So why at this moment in time is all of a sudden he aware? How in this moment of time? Not why, but how? It's the Spirit of the Lord, yes. But does God, and and I'm asking you for your own experience, does God usually strike Something with lightning to get your attention and say, hey, look at this. Is there usually a sign with light bulbs going around in a circle saying, this is my stuff. Look at this. How do you know when God is revealing something to you? What it is, what is it? I know in my own world, in my own experience, there's usually a little bit of butterflies in my stomach when God is talking to me about something very clearly. When, and it's this idea of knowing God's voice when he speaks to me. And this man, honestly, I mean, Ruth, that's the reason I kept this thing on my, in my office wall. I love this picture. It is an inspiration to me. It's in my office if you've never looked at it. It's on the wall above the filing cabinets because I sit in my, my chair, my devotional chair, and it's right there in front of me. This guy's a hero to me. He hears God's voice because he has spent decades discerning, not discerning, doing that skill, practicing. This is a spiritual discipline that this man has learned and practiced for decades. How to hear the voice of God how to clearly understand when God says something to me. Because if God gives you a promise, you know that promise is true no matter what. And like we said with the kids, if God says it, he means it, he's not playing, and he will bring it to be, whether it takes a year or ten years or decades. But the, the, the concern for us is learning to understand when God indeed is making those promises. Because the enemy is always trying to deceive us. The enemy is always trying to trip us up. Look at what he said to Eve in the garden. Didn't God say? Well, kind of, sort of. Because see, if Eve had clearly quoted back to the serpent what God truly said, there wouldn't have been an issue. Because he couldn't have argued against the word of God. But when she quoted back the quasi word of God that she kind of remembered him promising and saying to her, then he had his in and was able to continue the deception. Because if you look at the, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, when the enemy says, well, doesn't God's word say if you 
throw yourself off a pinnacle that he won't let you dash a foot against the stone. And he said, you will not test the Lord your God. Because God's word can be used against the enemy. But you have to know God's word. So if Simeon knew that God had made a specific promise to him, it was because Simeon had worked at it for years to be able to understand and hear and discern the voice of God and to know indeed when God was speaking and to be able to hear clearly the promises God was making to him. And that's what we see right here in verse 26. It says, It had been divinely revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Messiah. And then verse 27, it says, And prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure when the parents were bringing the little child Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law. And see, that's what I'm talking about, where this, this normal, everyday practice, I mean, think about it, how many babies are born on a regular basis? Especially back then, when there was no such thing as birth control. And every single one of them had to be brought before the, before the priest. Every single one of them. There was probably hundreds of people in a given week. Carrying babies across the Temple Mount. But verse 27 says, Prompted by the Holy Spirit, Simeon came to the temple enclosure when the parents brought Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law. So he was clearly listening for the Holy Spirit's guidance throughout his normal day, and God the Holy Spirit whispered to him, Go up to the temple this afternoon, Simeon. Just just go to the temple. Why? I don't know. Just go. I'll give you an example in my own life. From today. My wife bought me a new iPad for Christmas. And I bought I bought a leather case. Love it. It's beautiful, glorious. It's the Apple case. It's the official case. And I put it on my iPad and I used it for a day and I went, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I don't like the way it hinges. I don't like the way it connects. I don't like the way it feels. It doesn't. It feels flimsy to me. And I spent 78 bucks on this stupid thing, and I would expect it to be a lot better than this. So I ordered another one that's $50. So I saved 28 bucks, and I'm turning this one back in. And I had taken this off of my iPad and put it back in its protective cover so that I could take it back to the store because I didn't want anything happening to this or not. And I was getting ready for church this morning and I was back in my room and this cover was sitting in its little box, sitting on a, on a chair in my dressing area. And I looked down in it and I literally I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, put that on your iPad this morning. And I was like, I don't want it to get messed up. It's $78. If it gets messed up, that's 78 bucks I've lost. And I, I just ignored it. And then I came back into the room a few minutes later after leaving, came back. And again, put the iPad cover on your iPad. This is stupid. And I started walking out. And all of a sudden I went, okay, is that you, God? <laughs> all right, I don't understand this. I don't know why you're telling me to do this, but I'm going to trust this is from you. And I went and I got the thing and I put it in here. And it's now been sitting in the protective cover for the last um, few hours. I have no idea why I was prompted to do this. I just know that I was. It may be that something's going to happen in a couple of hours that it needs to have the protection on it. It may just be that God was honing my skill on how to discern his voice. 
But with all of my heart, I know God said, put the iPad cover on the iPad, Bob. Okay, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll do it. And that's, that's the kind of listening, that's the kind of discerning, that's the kind of obedience that I think God expects from each and every one of us. It doesn't have to necessarily make sense. It doesn't have to necessarily be anything that's major and glorious and fabulous. It could be as innocuous as, put the stupid cover on your brand new iPad. And God may have a purpose for it that I never will know. I may never know why I was prompted to do that this morning. But I was very clearly prompted three times to put this cover on this iPad. And so in obedience, I've done it. And I'm scared to death that I'm going to mess up this thing and not get my 78 bucks back. And still have to spend 50 on the other cover. So it's, it's a, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. But it's like this is what I believe with all my heart that God told me to do. So I'm doing I'm out of obedience. And that's what we see here with Simeon. Prompting by the Holy Spirit, he goes. And at that moment, God then says, There he is. In verse 28, Simeon takes him up in his arms and praises and thanks God and says, oh Lord. And I I honestly don't think that this was some crazy man running around the Temple Mount screaming at the top of his lungs. I truly think he walked up and just, and Mary released Jesus to him and he held him just like this up against his chest And with this joy in his heart, and with this amazing sense of peace, he took him up and praised God and thanked God and said, Lord, you are now releasing your servant to depart in peace according to your word. For with mine own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you have ordained and prepared before all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and praise and honor and glory to your people Israel. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And he hands the baby back to Mary. And Mary and Joseph are standing there going, Whoa. What a God moment. And it says, verse 33, Joseph and Mary were standing there marveling at what was said about their child. And then Simeon Bless them. And he says to the mother, Behold, this child is appointed and destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against. And a sword will pierce your own heart, your own soul, that the secret thoughts and purposes of many hearts may be brought out and disclosed. And then this prophetess walks up. Another one who hears the voice of God who spends all of her days, it says she spent 84 years in the temple, worshiping, fasting, and praying night and day. And she too came up at that same hour, verse 38 says, and she returned thanks to God and talked of Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And then verse 39 closes this whole transaction. So when they had done everything according to the law of the Lord, they went back to Galilee, their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. End of story. 
But what a beautiful, beautiful picture we have of someone who knows how to walk with God and someone who knows how to listen clearly and carefully for the voice of God and who would have missed had he not been obedient the very promise that God had made to him. But because he was faithful, because he was continually listening, because he was obedient when the voice of the Lord called him, he received that which had been promised to him and he was able to provide blessing to others. And the message for us this morning, the so what is, I want to be like Simeon. I want to live that way. So that in God's perfect timing, God can intersect my life with somebody else's. And I can provide blessing to them. But I won't be given that opportunity unless I discern and I won't be able to discern unless I teach myself how. And I won't be able to do that unless I practice. And so my, my, my calling and my goal for me is tomorrow morning, when I don't feel like it, when I'm tired, when, oh my goodness, my alarm didn't go off, maybe I should just be late and still spend the time practicing the skill. So that when God gives me that opportunity, I'll be used of him to provide blessing to someone else. That's what I want. And that's why Simeon's on the wall in my office. Because he's one of my heroes. Let's pray.